Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and Wingman Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class sales support services with integrity. And on this podcast, we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Dr. T, Dr. Lokhtrivedi, a.k.a. Dr. Rewire. On this episode, I'm going to share with you the secrets I use to hold 87% retention on my three-day live events so that you can close more, enroll more, and help more people and make a difference in in the world with what you do. Hey, welcome to today's show. This is Rudy Rodriguez, the host of the High Profit Event Show, and we have a very special guest today, uh, actually a dear friend of mine, Dr. T. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Rudy. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, you and I met um, through another mutual friend of ours, uh, Rohan Seth, uh, CEO of Girl Rev. And I just knew when I met you right away, you and uh, Amanda, your significant other, that you guys were salt of the earth people like you, you know, you're at this high level mastermind event that you, you were there really looking to serve and make a difference for others. And I just knew, man, I had to get to know you and, uh, and what you do. And I've been just so impressed. And I'm grateful that you're on the show today to be able to share with our guests, uh, your experience uh, with events. And you've done, gosh, uh, over 30, uh, three day virtual summits or so over the last three or four yeah. years. And I mean, you've done summits with as much as like close to a thousand people in attendance, your summits. Um, and, uh, and you've been speaking for 25 years, right. Which is remarkable. Uh, you've uh-huh. appeared on CBS, Fox news, CT news, Canada, global news, Shaping Ebony Magazine. You've consulted some of the most powerful and influential CEOs and CFOs in the world. Uh, you developed the Aligned Performance Institute, which is a dedicated to expanding human awareness and potential around the world. Uh, and you're the author of the acclaimed book, Chasing Success. I am. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Really. This is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, Dr. T. Um, so let's let's jump into some of the meat and potatoes. I know you and I want to make sure that this is like the most action-packed, value-packed 20-minute, 20, 20, 30-minute podcast possible for the guests. Yep. Um, you know, one of the things that you own is the fact that you have on average 87% of people who attend your events uh, that begin end, right? And, and by the way, as, as a note inside of that caveat, that's also including a mixed audience of paid attendees as well, free attendees. So roughly 40% of that audience is free attendees. And in my experience, free attendees, typically their stick-through rate is much, much lower than 87%. So I am really eager and excited to hear um, what you have to share with us today. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, we do. We do well with that. That's, you know, we don't have the biggest events on the planet, but uh, we have really high value events. And that's why I really am. Uh, that's our, our, Coup de gras, I guess you can call it. Awesome, man. Well, maybe if you can share with us a little bit about your, uh, just kind of give us a little runway for the audience as to um, what got you kind of your journey into events and your formula, right? That you kind of discovered on how to create this level of engagement. Um, I think yeah, absolutely. Really cool. So, you know, I got into events. I mean, I've been speaking for a long time and it's kind of what I've always done to build any business that I have as I speak. And um, I, I've enjoyed speaking. I've worked on my speaking. And so speaking has been something I've been doing for a long time. Keynote speaking, all this has been a part of my life for a very long time, but it wasn't just about keynote speaking, being a keynote speaking speaker is great, but how do you make an impact? 
and we were doing live events and then COVID hit, and, you know, right before COVID, before anyone did a virtual event, we actually did a virtual event, believe it or not. Before Tony did his virtual event, we actually did a virtual event. We really did. And, um, and we, we had this little thing and we, we got this ATM mini and we had one TV and we, we took a camera and just said, let's do this thing on Zoom. And we kind of figured it out and kind of started it. And I learned a lot in that first, first event. And it wasn't a big event, but I learned a lot in it and how the medium is different, how to talk to the camera is different, how to, you know, a lot of times as speakers, we go up and just say, oh, I know how to speak. I can speak. And here's a stage. But how do you speak to an audience when there's no feedback? How do you speak to an audience when there's nobody who's engaging with you? How do you, how do you dial them in? How do you pull them in? How do you get them to stay with you that whole time? That was a big trick. And, and there were certain things I've, I've done a lot of TV over the years. And so I wasn't afraid of the camera, but how you entertain the camera was a completely different experience than the audience. So I really took that. And I started working with that um, from just the, the, the talent perspective. And then there's, of course, there's procedural things that we'll talk about here too, that I really started to work on to help. I don't know what our first numbers were, but to help improve that over as time progressed. Awesome, man. Well, it's cool to know that you were one of the first to innovate onto the virtual event space before even Tony. <laughs> it was before Tony. Now, I don't know if I'm saying the first, but I'm just saying that the, I'm the first that I know of, I, I, that, that I do know. Yeah, you're just like, let's grab a camera, let's figure it out. <laughs> That's what I did. Literally, I remember we had the event starting on Friday morning. And Thursday afternoon, we're figuring out what's this eight to mini thing. <laughs> and we called video guys and we're trying to figure it out. We're like, this is how you do a switcher. And, and it was a whole thing. Now, of course, we've, we've invested lots of money into it. We've got, you know, the whole studio, the whole setup now. But when it started, it was a camera. It was, a, it was an eight to mini box and, and, a, and a TV. And we went to work. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> really cool. Uh, I'd be curious to ask you, you know, that first event that you did, or maybe first couple events, uh, what were some like the comment, like the mistakes that you made that not obviously now you're looking back, you're like, oh, that's a no brainer because you've learned that. But it's always good to hear like what those initial counterintuitive things were for you. Um, so I got a great one. So on the third day of the event, about 945 in the event, we lose Zoom. And I'm thinking, how on earth do we lose Zoom? Like, this doesn't make any sense, right? How do we lose Zoom? And there was, there was nothing going on weather-wise in my community. There was nothing happening inside of this. And I thought, I didn't understand, because we like, rented like this abandoned building space where there was no heat. And I did the whole thing in the cold. Like, my staff was all wearing coats. Like, there was no, it was like, we had an event a week to plan, and we figured this whole thing out. And... Zoom basically shut down because they had a tornado or a hurricane somewhere in North Carolina at the time. Lots of rain. And so Zoom goes down for several hours. I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And so I pivoted as what we do, right? It was in the time of pivot, I pivoted again. And I started, like we had a Facebook group and we just sent a message and I started doing the seminar from the Facebook group. And when Zoom came back on, we got back on Zoom. And I found out through that process where people were looking, there were other Zoom knockoffs that were out there. The other companies that do similar to Zoom. And so we learned contingencies were huge when you deal with technology. One of the biggest things we learned, you know. So we actually, every time we do an event, we have Zoom, we have our normal Zoom, but we also have 
Um, I can't, you're going to ask me the name, but I don't remember what they are anymore, even because Zoom has upgraded itself. Obviously, it's much better than it was that back then. But we have, um, we have two different softwares that are like Zoom, pretty much exactly Zoom on backup in case Zoom crashes. And we can literally forward everyone to this next version and just send the text out. Everyone go to this thing and they'll register for whatever and they'll get on board. We've never had to use it, but that contingency was bred out of that chaos. <laughs> plan B and plan C. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, you only, you only have to experience that one time, right? Um, yeah. When you deal with technology and you're running your own events, right? It depends if like what kind of event you do. When you're running your own event, you don't know, right? Like there was another time that our upload speed had gotten super slow. Like, why is the upload speed gone so slow? Because Comcast did came and did a bunch of work here and they did something to the the line. And now we had to go and it's like, oh, why why is my up speed so slow? So it was the technology wasn't working. So you just don't know when you're there's so many variables. That's the problem with technology and virtual events, is there's so many variables that you're trying to play contingencies for. It's and especially when you have more of an operation versus just like a yeah, you know, like what we're doing right now, off a computer or TV or laptop or something like that. So technology makes it more complicated. You have to prepare for it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's, that's a good, helpful note. So, you know, that was your first couple uh, virtual events. And here you fast forward three, four years, you've done about 30. And now your engagement is at, on average, 87%. Yeah. Um, I'd be just curious to hear, like, I don't know if you have a formula from beginning to end, like how do you think through your events and, and how you communicate, market, promote, fulfill, such that you have 87% of people engaged for three days, especially online because with Zoom fatigue these days, you know, that's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. People are tired of it. But the thing is, is that I'll tell you one thing that several things, let me just kind of go, I'm just going to kind of berate a bunch of different things and, and hopefully some of them stick for, for the listeners. You know, your cameraman is essential. Your cameraman has to know how to work the camera, how to zoom in, how to, it can't be just, oh, I'm just going to take any camera person that just does, you know, just goes back and forth. It's not about that. It's about really working the camera. And so you got to have a cameraman that understands that they're an essential component. You have a dance with that cameraman. That's so important um, to bring the audience together, bring them to life. I study TV shows. And what we do, one of the things that we do is that uh, if you look at a TV show, they typically have a seven to 10 second um, frame or an event. May, max it goes as 30 seconds. It's not going more than 30 seconds before it goes to another, another scene inside of it. But they'll keep one scene, seven to 10 seconds. And so one of the things that we do in our frames is we host seven to 10, seven to 10 second frames. So different camera angles change every seven to 10 seconds. So that's one of the ways that people don't get bored. Instead of just like a talking head, you've got something that's engaging and changing the screens at all times. So the TV feels different for them at Zoom. Because um, people don't just watch on Zoom. Many people will, especially if you're doing a three-day event, you don't want to sit in front of a laptop. You, you project it onto your TV now, you're watching on TV, now you're a TV star. Um, everyone, wants, everyone can be a TV star now. And uh, th those are two big things that I would say from the art side. Third thing I tell you that I, I really, I, I can't urge this enough because I've seen so many programs and I'm supposed to attend one this weekend. And if the presenter doesn't do this, it has a hard time keeping me on. If I would under deliver the content. And what I mean by that is this, is don't under deliver. Let me rephrase my statement. I don't want you to under deliver content. What I'm trying to say, 
is connect with the audience with far more stories. Give far more stories inside of it. And when you give a story, you actually allow people to connect with you, right? A lot of, a lot of people in, in the speaking business, they don't realize that, that, you know what, let me just give content and content and content and content. It's more content. In the beginning, I wasn't, as, I, this is not, I, I learned this as time progressed, is that I was just dumping all the content I had in this event. Problem became is that they were already bored. They were already fatigued. They got overtaught in that capacity and people didn't want to stay. But the less content I taught, that was enough for them to learn and absorb. And the more I engaged and the more I let my personality be open inside of it, the greater the retention state, right? It's not about, believe it or not, it's much more about the performer than it is about the content. And that's so difficult for some of us who just want to, we have so much we want to share and teach. And we're also looking at it from a conversion standpoint, right? Like we're trying to convert. The greatest conversion factor is be likable, I think. So there's a bunch of ideas, different ideas that I found to be helpful in the, in the art side of it, for sure. You know, you mentioned um, the greatest conversion factor is to be likable. Um, one quick comment I'll make on that is, uh, I often reference on this show the book Influence by sure. Dr. Robert Cialdini. And there's like six, says weapons of influence. Um, one of which is likability. Mm -hmm. People like people who are like they are or like the way they aspire to be. And if someone likes you, they're much more likely to engage and connect with you and ultimately become a client of yours. So I love how you just said the greatest conversion factor is to be likable and allow your uh, personality to be open um, instead of uh, you know, just trying to over teach them. <laughs> you know, in the beginning, we even like I found I was wearing blazers. I like wearing blazers when I speak. It's just kind of my thing. Like. You know, some guys can wear just a jacket or a sweater, whatever makes you you. Right? For me, it's blazers. I love blazers when I speak. Without it, it, it kind of feels, I feel kind of naked <laughs> without it. But even my blazers, the ones I was wearing in the beginning, were a little bit too hard on the audience. Um, and it was, a, it was a factor that would turn people off. Like big shoulder pads. I'm, like I've got big shoulder, relatively big shoulders as it is. So you put big shoulder pads on now, like it, it feels too forced. And we went with much more of a casual blazer inside of it. And it made people much more open and receptive to soften my look. And I didn't, something I didn't think about, but it played a factor. I think it played a factor. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for that. Sure. Two millimeter distinction there. It's just your clothing, you know, communicating more of a relaxed, likable, relatable uh, personality, right? Yeah. Which includes what we wear, not just what we say. Um, and, and a quick note, what you, the other thing you said prior that I made a, a star on in my notes is changing that frame and having that relationship with the, the camera person who can keep that, that camera angle dynamic every seven to 10 seconds, creating that experience for, for the attendees by changing the camera angle that, that, that was great. I think that was a great, great, great nugget right there. I wanted to emphasize for our audience. Yeah. Yeah, it's super important. If you don't do that, then what happens is it becomes a talking head. And, and I study this stuff, right? Like, I, I love this stuff. I've been studying this stuff for a long time. I'm studying, like, how do TVs do it? Like, they, 
if you notice like certain scene drama drama scenes like right now i'm watching suits have you ever seen suits um no i've only seen the previous four but actually I've yeah so watched them it's a show that like i've been watching but you can see certain things how they at the end of the scene they take the music up and, and how they bring applause and audience and, and music and they use sound and we so we study all this stuff we we look at it i have my team sitting and say okay how do we make the event better how do we how do we use applause in it and how do we how do we get better you know and, and transparently like when when other people are doing events see what you like what they do right see what the others are doing that are valuable inside of it and incorporate what works you know like we use dance in our thing like we use music and dance as a as a big part of our our energy inside of it and keeping the community and the, and the knowledge base up um those are important things i also think that it's important um to not go more than an hour an hour and 15 at a time going more than an hour and 15 on zoom it kind of gets tiring for people you may be able to go two three hours in a live audience but when you do it on zoom it becomes a little bit tiring for that's good that's been my experience at least yeah same here i i do my best to keep it no more any segment on zoom no more than 90 minutes yeah but ideally an hour an hour segment even 50 I agree minutes with that. yeah that's cool man um what else man you you are you're like a, a mad scientist you and your team in the background you're like tweaking studying like all these little things like i'm i'm super curious now like what are the, some of these discoveries other discoveries that you guys have learned and have put in place to create such great engagement. Yeah. I think the other thing that we, you know, we do the standard, like send them their manual and stuff ahead of time. That's pretty standard. We, we do that. Um, we didn't do it one time and we did find that we didn't have a, our show rate was down. Um, and that, so that was something we, we did do. We also, we do a good job with my team to make sure that they're in the chat box or communicating and something we do ahead of time that probably helps people is that we actually call every single attendee, personally call them, and welcome them to the event. And that's it gives an added touch. Because we don't have the biggest events, we don't have 10,000 people that it's hard to call. Since we're under 1,000 for most part, at least at this point, we can call every person and have my team call and at least leave them a voicemail if nothing. And, and that's one of the things that they found is so appreciative is that they can they can connect with that. Now, maybe when the numbers get bigger, that number goes down inside. The, if the volume of the participants goes up more, maybe that number goes down a little bit. I don't know. I'm not there yet, but I would suspect that it may. But one of the, we, we find that that's a huge component. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have your team call each participant and, uh, and what do you, what do they do when they call them? Do they just welcome them? Can you kind of talk us through some of the things? Yeah, They just welcome they them to the event. They welcome to them to the experience. They kind of pre, Pre, uh, preframe what they what to expect on the weekend and they let them know personally kind of you know what the event is going to have and uh, where to kind of sit how to prepare yourself all that kind of stuff and they're just grateful because you know you realize that like everyone at this point the vast majority of the people that are going to be on your events have done a virtual event right it's not a new thing by any means but yeah. what do you do to make yourself stand out differently how are, how is your event going to be different than every other event under the sun, right? And when you got giants out there like Tony and, and Eric Worre and all these guys doing these massive, massive events, how are you going to be different? How are you going to be unique inside that? And what we found is that what is our uniqueness? We found our uniqueness. Our size was our uniqueness. Therefore, our, our connection, our ability to connect 
was going to be a uniqueness factor. And so we take, we, we take advantage of it because we can. Now, if we ever get to the point of doing events of 25,000 people inside of it or 10,000 people, then maybe it's a different element. But whatever situation you're in, I, I look at it and say, what's everyone else doing and what can we do differently that will help us connect to the audience better? Yeah, I think that's a quality question right there. What is everyone else doing and what can we do differently to help us connect their audience even better? Yeah. Yeah, I'm making a note of that. I imagine as you as you ask yourself that question, you keep finding new ways to innovate and to improve connection and engagement with your audience. We do. So, you know, we have a, a, a mandatory policy that after every event on the Tuesday after, pretty much the day after, um, two days after every event, we sit down with the entire team and we run through everything that we did well and everything that we did crappy. And, and then the third question we always ask is, how can we connect deeper? And that, that's a whole day meeting. It's just purely brainstorming. And the events team takes that back and sees what they can implement for the next event. Wow. What I appreciate about that is that you do it with immediacy. So imagine you take a day off of rest for the event and then you do it while it's top of mind and you don't just do it for 30 to 60 minutes. You said it's a whole day event. Um, and you don't just ask, you know, what worked, what didn't work, but you ask specifically, how can we connect deeper? Right. Yeah. So you ask that intentional question. I can see I how doing a... that consistently makes that difference. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's important, right? Like, look, we want to help people. We're doing these events because we want to serve people. We want to help people. And everyone that's doing it realizes that you, you found a medium in a way that you can actually help people. And you love to speak. You love doing the events. You love the whole thing. And you love the spotlight. It's great. All of us do, right? That's why we're in the business. That's why we're in the speaking business. It's part of who we are. But how do we get more connected to them? Because if we don't connect to them, we don't help them. And if we don't help them, then they don't really change. And they go back saying, oh, that was a great event. Fantastic. I learned a little bit of information. Now what? And they go back to their old routine life. So our job, and then that's where conversion comes in, right? And in, in kind of what you do in that world. It's like, how do we convert at that level? Then if you take that and say, if we're connecting better, our conversions are going to be better. We know this is 100% correlation inside of it. So if we're really looking to make a difference in the lives of the people of our audience, then I think that's probably the most important question we can ask on our debrief. That's really good. I'm curious to hear any other uh, innovations that have come out of asking that question on your debrief. I, I think there's been so many, honestly, like, I think if you just do it with your team, there's so many things that'll come out that that'll be right for your audience. And here's the thing, like everyone tries to take a template of that's what this person is doing. That's what this person is doing and try to, but I don't think that that's the answer. I really don't think that's the answer. There's some, maybe some best practices, but then there's going to be best practices for your community, right? Cause your community is going to be different than my community and every, or anyone's community is going to be different based on the culture, the environment, what they expect, what you, you give, and your team is going to know that community. So I think that question opens up innovations that will become best practices for you to serve your community at the best. Depending if you have a bunch of males in your audience, you're going to have a different set of best practices than a bunch of females, right? Completely different. If you have a bunch of hairdressers versus a bunch of entrepreneurs, you're going to have a different set of you know, or personal development. They're completely different. And I think it's important to address that for them and so that 
Because if you just do a generic best practices thing, I don't know that you really, what's the, what's the old saying, like, right? You know, care enough about your client to be able to serve them with care or something, something along that line. If you know them, then you'll be able to serve them at the highest level. That's what, that's what I believe. And innovation will show up when you ask that question for sure. I love your emphasis, focus on not necessarily the answer, but the question and, uh, and how the question leads to the answers. There's a story, and I'm paraphrasing here. Maybe you've heard this one as well. I believe it was Einstein that was, as a professor, um, you know, he would administer an exam, I think at Princeton, every year. And the, he never changed the questions. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, someone came up to him and said, hey, what are you doing? Like, the, the students are catching on. They know it's the same questions every year. And he says, yes, the question doesn't change, but the answers do. Right. That's right. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because my, um, I went to visit Princeton on a college tour with my daughter, and I saw the room, or at least the, the building where Einstein used to give the lectures. It was kind of, it's, but I remember that story from that. It's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. So you heard it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Excellent, Dr. T. Oh, man, this has been really informative. And if, of everything you share, just that one quality question, man, that is, that's gold right there. I, I'm highlighting, bolding that, starring that. Um, I'm using that you know, myself. I'm going to ask that question myself because um, I, I, I agree with you. If you can increase your connection uh, and, you know, and really care deeply for your clients and keep them engaged, connect, the conversion is a natural next thing that'll happen. That's right. Right. Uh, and if you don't have that connection, then man, it's like lifting, pushing a boulder up a hill to try to convert <laughs> someone into a client. If you don't have that, you're, you're fighting objection handling, right? You're, it's objection, objection, objection. If you, if you have the connection, then objections kind of go away. It fades away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the trainers that I worked with uh, for years, uh, basically, he would say that uh, sales trainers, he says 40% of the conversion equation is to trust, rapport, yeah. connection right and if you can get that right it's it, your objections is like five percent ten percent tops right i probably learned so, it from him at some some point because <laughs> i don't know if i'm smart enough to come up with that but that's probably right yeah <laughs> awesome dr t well hey if our audience would love to uh learn more about you and what you do uh, what would be the best place to send them yeah you can go a couple places just go to my website drrewire.com or you can go to the rewire score, rewirescore.com. And you can kind of take a quiz and learn a little bit more about what I do and the brain, the function, how it works, and uh, kind of get more information from there as well. Awesome. So that is rewirescore.com mm-hmm. for the quiz. And uh, your website is drrewire.com. So we'll be sure to include those links in our show notes as well. Uh, Dr. T, as we wrap up here in our last uh, couple of minutes, do you have any uh, final comments or recommendations or word of advice for uh, people who want to have profitable events and have people have that kind of engagement that you have? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, if I was to say anything, is that I love events. I love doing events. Um, keep doing them. Keep perfecting them. And, and the other thing I'll tell you is make sure the event is what your event wants it to be. Make sure you want it to be what your event to be. Right? I remember for a while I was chasing the big numbers in the event, but I wasn't able to it's not about chasing those big numbers in the event. It's about using the event numbers that you have and then growing to the next level of number. That's kind of what I figured out in my, in my process. 
Um, because you could, you know, people can say, well, you can spend a million dollars and fill it up. Okay, great. But are they going to be the right, right people? Is it going to be the right quality? All that question that those questions that come into play. But I think if you're going to do events, go all in on them. Like, I think they're amazing. I love every aspect of them. Um, and make sure that the event is congruent to you 100%. If it's not congruent to you, the audience and the camera does not lie. They'll catch it. Congruency. Absolutely. That is key. Yeah. Connection and congruency leads to conversion. But those are the themes of today. Yeah, I think that's the three C's. Connection, right that connection, congruency, and conversion. There you go. <laughs> sounds, sounds like it could be the name of a good virtual event. It could be. <laughs> Awesome, Dr. T. Hey, I appreciate you being uh, such a great guest on our show today. Um, send my best to Amanda and your family. And uh, thank you again. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Rudy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the High Profit Event Show. If you are a seminar leader or thought leader or event service provider who has led or supported profitable, successful events to over 100 people and you've been effective at enrollment into your high-end coaching, education, mastermind tech programs, we're looking for guests. Love to have you on the show. You can go to our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com, click on the podcast tab and submit an application to be on our show. Also, if you found the show to be valuable, share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Take a moment, please leave a review and also subscribe if you haven't already. And lastly, if you have an upcoming uh, event, whether it be virtual or in person, and you'd like to have a conversation about how to fill your coaching, education, mastermind programs fast using events, you're welcome to book a complimentary 15-minute uh, consult with either myself or a member of my team on our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com. Again, this is Rudy Rodriguez, and congratulations on investing the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's been valuable. Have a great day.